Welcome to the Restoration Church Weekly Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you are inspired by today's podcast to pursue your God-given calling to reach just one more. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, Restoration Church. Great to be together. Can we put our hands together for all the moms here? So I know I was yelling here, I don't know if you heard me at the other locations, but our time of preaching, we joined together with all of our Restoration Churches, and so for those of you in Bethlehem, Milton, and in Plymouth, uh, we're glad to be together and glad to have the opportunity to, to preach and share God's Word with you. So uh, again, happy Mother's Day to all the moms who are here today, and Listen, I, I know there are hard days, all right, um, and uh, there are, I, I've heard um, one pastor's wife describe it this way, that the days are long, but the years are short, all right, and so listen, uh, enjoy those crappy days uh, as well, all right, because there'll be a day I hear where you wish you could have experienced them again, and Listen, we appreciate everything that you're doing, and just, you know, we're finishing up our series Family Classic today, and we've been talking about family and everything going on. I want to let you know that we've got an opportunity today for you to ask me some questions. And so at the end of the, the, end of the sermon today, I'll answer some of the questions you have. And so this is how you can ask me a question. I'm going to put that up for me. This is what you need to do. If... Uh, punch in the number, 97000, in the message, write thoughts, and hit send, all right? That's the only thing you'll send at first. It'll then prompt you what's your question. And if you've got more than one question, send them one at a time. Um, and then what it will do is it'll, it'll end up uh, prompting through that app to my phone, and we'll spend time answering your questions, and uh, I, will, I won't know it was you, uh, but... Uh, so every location, you have the opportunity to do this. It will take a few minutes here at the end. Want to give one update on the restoration, restoration recovery sober home that we're hoping and gearing up to open in the beginning of July. So there's another crew there yesterday working on that. If you've uh, got some, some skill, uh, some trades background or handyman experience, and you're able to get connected that way and help us, let us know. Uh, we'll have more, uh, we'll have some other work days happening in July that will be all hands on deck. Anybody who's able to put together, um, uh, screw some Allen, uh, some Allen bolts and uh, put together furniture and do some cleaning, we'll have some of those coming up later. But that's underway and things are progressing and moving along very good. So we appreciate that. Now in this series... Family Classic, we've been using a golf theme, uh, and so if you don't know me well, or if this is your first series with us, I like to use analogies and metaphors and illustrations uh, to help teach things from the Bible. Not because I think you're dumb or anything like that, but one of the things I want you to do is not just hear what I'm saying in the moment, but I want you to remember it for a long time. 
And illustrations and memories are one of the great ways that we do that. So we're trying to also take what can be sometimes complex illustrations and understandings of Scripture and, and trying to break it down and help it to click. Like, oh, okay, it's, you know, that helps me to understand and know that it is maybe not as complicated as I thought. Now, if you've got your Bibles, I'd love for you to open up to Psalm 127. Psalm 127. And the Psalms are a book of songs that the, uh, that the, the Jewish people in the early church would use to uh, worship during different times. And this is one of the Psalms of Ascent. And what that means is that when people would travel to Jerusalem, to the temple, to the holy city, this would be one of the songs that they would sing on that journey. And this was uh, attributed as written by Solomon, who was one of David's sons. Now, this psalm, we're going to look through it. We'll read the whole thing right now. It's not very long. And then we're going to spend the rest of our time talking through this and and understanding this, because though it may be something that you're familiar with, you've kind of heard about, or even if you've been in church a long time, you may have heard a message on before, we again want to look and try to shape this. How does it affect our life every day? So let's begin to read Psalm 127. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor it in vain. And that it's probably something that you're familiar with, something that you've heard before. Continues, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. All right. That is Psalm 127. Really one of those famous scriptures that you end up hearing, and uh, it'll, it'll, parts of it will show up in pop culture, and, and it's one of those verses that, or one of those chapters of, of Scripture that can show up in a lot of different messages throughout the year. Now, in this series, Family Classic, we've been taking this golf theme and, and trying to help us to, to understand this. And I know for me, that I, and I, I, I believe, like I've made some jokes here about being pretty bad at golf, and, and uh, it's funny because it's true, uh, but, uh, but I'm, you know, I'm not very good at it. And I know, I think like two years ago, I really thought because some of my friends here in church are good golfers, and, and I really thought like, you know what, it would be nice to go and compete with them, like to be able to you know, for them to call me, like if there's a tournament that they call me up and be like, hey, Nate, we need a fourth guy, will you play? Instead of just deciding, we'll just play with three. <laughs> uh, you, you know, I'm like, and, and so part of me was like, you know what, I would like to be good at golf. And I just begin to think about what it would take. And I know that I could be not a great golfer, but I could be a good golfer. 
I, I know that I have that in me, but what it would take, well, one, it would take money. And I just think about spending money on golf, and I'm like, you know what? I really don't like it that much. It would take money, you know, because I'm going to have to pay for either a club membership or pay for course fees every, every, uh, every week, because I'd have to play every week. I'd have, to, I'd have to spend time swinging the clubs every single week in order to get into that rhythm and that routine. I also know that if I want to be a good golfer, that I really can't be self-taught. I, I'm going to have to need to... Uh, to go to get some lessons, to get a coach, and to spend time having someone teach me what I'm doing wrong, teach me how to do it right. And if I spent that money and I spent a lot of time, then I could be good. Not great, but I could be good, which is a huge improvement over where I am now. In this series, as we're closing up this series, and you look at your family and you're evaluating your family over, you know, you've probably been doing that a little bit every week. And just wondering, again, that question that we asked at the beginning, is your family on par? We don't want to compare ourselves to anybody else. But one thing we should ask is, God, is my family everything that you want it to be? Am I making and cultivating and creating a godly house, household? Am I, are we a godly family? And begin asking your, the, yourself those questions and taking your life and your family, overlaying it on scripture, saying, where are we falling short? Where are we following the world and, we, and we're not following the Lord? And begin to ask yourself those questions, which are healthy questions. And they shouldn't lead us to condemnation over the, the ways we've fallen short. It should, you know, potentially lead us to repentance. But it should inspire us to raise a godly family. To, um, to, you know, to the parts that are in our ability and our control to raise godly children. And to create that household. To create that environment. There are some fundamentals, I believe, of, of having a Christian family that we're going to talk through today. And again, we'll, we'll connect it to golf here. So we'll take some of the fundamentals of golf. We'll take the scripture we just read in Psalm 127 and, uh, and we'll line it all up. And if you get lost, put, we keep that number up there on the screen for me anytime we don't have scripture. Uh, if, uh, if I lose you, then just text me a question like, and, uh, and we'll walk through that. Now, Fundamental number one, we see in verse number one, but in golf, they call this, you know, set up positioning. It's getting in the right position for your golf swing. And the great thing about golf as opposed to baseball or, or tennis or pickleball is that the ball's not moving. It is there. So you have the opportunity to set up every single time the exact way you need to be. And there's different parts of the swing. It's, you know, how far, you're, you're, you know, the way your, your hands are, the way you grip the club, the positioning of the club according to your feet and your shoulders, how your arms move and bend in the swing. There's a lot in that that can sabotage you or help you to succeed. But verse number one, we see a fundamental of our Christian family is our positioning. How we're setting up ourselves each day. 
And in these first verse, in this first verse, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor it build in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Our setup for our family, the positioning we have over our family is a God first position. We're not trying to, and this is a hard thing, um, we're not trying to incorporate God into everything we do. We're trying to establish God and then align our lives around him. It's a little bit different. It's the difference between eating healthy and trying to like throw some kale into your fried chicken and, and everything else you're eating. So, so one doesn't make you healthy. So just having a little fragments of God in, oh, we'll pray over dinner. Perfect. We'll go to church on Sunday. Great. Uh, and uh, we'll wear a cross necklace. Perfect. We're all set. Now we're a godly family. Now, interspersing bits of God into your, into your life is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about God first. He's who we worship. He's who we follow. He is the one we obey. He is the one we love. And we align and adjust everything in our life according to him and his word. God first. We make God the builder of our house, the builder of our family. We make God the protector of our house, the protector of our family. How do you do this? It, uh, I'll ask the, the question here in Dover, but other locations, you can feel, feel free to raise your hand as well. How many of you had, had parents who were Christians and you grew up in church? All right, now how many is the opposite of that is true? So it's about, you know, 60-40 split here. So 40% of you have never seen it before. So you're trying to... You're learning on the fly how to do this. Some of us, we've witnessed it. And, uh, but even some of us, what we witnessed is not necessarily what we should do. I grew up in a Christian house during the 80s. And so more often than not, whether you grew up in Texas or, or you grew up in the Northeast or you grew up uh, in, in the Midwest, um, if you were a Christian child uh, in the 80s, then you couldn't watch Smurfs or He-Man or Ghostbusters, and it was pretty much entertainment-based. Again, it was all brand new. They were trying to learn and understand, but it became a focus on entertainment, not a focus on God, not a focus on Jesus. Instead of introducing our children to Jesus, we introduce them to a list of rules. And if you think about this in another context, if when your child's born and, and there's, been, uh, uh, you know, there's been some babies born recently, there's some babies about to be, some babies in the church due here in the next couple of weeks, a lot through the summer. But when that baby's born, you're like, I want to introduce myself to you. I am, I am your, uh, I'm your parent. Here's your list now of chores that you're going to accomplish for me for the rest of your life. You're going to be the dishwasher. You're going to be uh, the vacuumer. Here's your, like, that, that doesn't make sense. But yet that's been how, how we've defaulted to introducing our kids to God. Here's, here's the rules to follow. And, 
instead of helping them understand the great opportunity we have to know and follow Jesus and why, why he calls us to those things, why he calls us to that lifestyle. Second thing here in uh, kind of a, one of the fundamentals of golf is to control your nerves, to slow your breathing, to loose your grip, to, to be calm and focused and hit the ball, not trying to kill it, not trying to impress anybody. And in verse number two, it talks about this. It says, uh, it's in vain. You're waking up early. You're going to bed late. You're, you're, you're toiling. You're trying to make it happen. But instead, the only thing that you're eating out of this is anxiety. And the worry we have over our families and the worry we have for our kids can be because we're not placing God first. You're making them up, you're waking them up early and, and you're making them stay up late. They're doing all their assignments and the extra, extra curricular activities and you've got them, you're, you're working them and they are nonstop sun, uh, sunrise to, to not even sunset till, till midnight. They're just working nonstop and you're worried about them falling behind. You're worried about them not, you know, not getting the opportunities. You're worried about what they're going to miss out on. Having all this anxiety over them. And listen, one of the fundamentals here of having a godly household is trust. And we don't have to have anxiety over all these things because we can trust God who's in control over all these things. You can wake up early, you can stay up late, you can be doing that all for yourself. But one of the great blessings here in this scripture in verse number two says he gives his beloved sleep. A couple things that that shows us is that even when we're sleeping, God is still working. That he can work in the lives of our kid, of our spouse, of our family. He can work. He's working around the world. He never ceases. He never stops. So we don't have to have anxiety and we don't have to go through all of the what ifs. We can trust him. So third thing here in verse number three, we'll, we'll, we'll call this the short game. The short game in golf, people are focused on, on taking their driver and going to the range and trying to crush that ball as far as they can. But it's the short game that really makes you a good golfer or not. And the best players in the world, they, they, they hit that ball with their iron, with their pitching wedge, and, and that ball spins, and they're able to make it roll forward, to make it roll backwards. They're able, like almost it's on a yo-yo, to pull it and direct it where they want. When we're looking at our kids and our relationships, we've got to not just be focused on the big things, you know, focus on, oh, do they walk? Do they talk? Are they potty trained? Are, you know, we're going to get them to graduate high school. We've got to get them to move out. They're going to get married. They've got to give us grandkids. And it seems to be those are the only things we're focused on. And sometimes from from seventh grade till, you know, till, till college, the only thing, the only focus is college. 
It's on clubs and sports and scholarship and grades, and that's the priority and that's the focus. We have got to look beyond that. And scripture says in verse number three that children are a heritage from the Lord. And what we've got to think through are what are the daily things? What are the short game things? What are the small things that are cultivating that heritage? And what we've got to look at is passing down our faith. Much beyond some of the some of the big things, you know, some of the things that are admired, some of the things that people wow about. What are the small daily disciplines? What are the, the things that don't really get a, a wow from the crowd, but help us to uh, help us to share faith, help us to receive that heritage and to create that heritage? Some of these are, are things like prayer. And for some of you, you've never done this before, and, and depending on the age of your kids, it might be more difficult to start, but the younger your kids are, the app, the, it's so much easier to just begin to pray with them. To begin to pray with them at bedtime is an easy routine to begin to do. And I always encourage parents to pray real prayers. Don't just find some nursery rhyme to pray, but to pray real things over their life. One of the things that, um, that, I, that I pray with, with my boys, and uh, just a couple of nights ago, Friday night, we were out late, got home late, and so they all went to bed at the same time, so I stood in the hallway between both their bedroom doors, and, and I, but I pray this prayer often. God, I thank you for these boys. I thank you that I get to be my dad. I thank you that you gave them to me to be my sons. It's a real prayer. I want them to hear that, that I am grateful to God for them. I pray things about, and not the same thing every day, but I'll pray things about their calling, things about their purity, things about their relationships, things about their giftings. And we'll pray through the difficult things that have happened in their life, in their day. God, I just pray for that friendship. I pray for, for these things that are causing stress. I pray for these behaviors that they're trying to to, to, to honor you in. Pray real prayers. To pass that down, to teach that, to cultivate that. To, to pass down worship, teaching them how to worship, teaching them how to experience the presence of God, to pass down church, to show them what it is to attend service, why we do that. The great blessing we get after years I'm doing that. The, the, the thing here that we're learning, the fundamental here is discipleship. We're not just preparing our kids for the world. We have these years when we're in our home to show them how real God is, to show them how powerful Jesus is, to show them the great blessing of a house that follows the Lord. Proverbs 22.6 speaks to this again, another famous scripture. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Last thing here uh, in verses four and five, it says, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children of one's youth. 
Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Now listen, it's talking about archery here, but uh, I think we've got an illustration in front of us. Let's talk about the golf bag. All right. Kids are a blessing and they give you an experience and, and not, you know, you, we've got to walk out God's calling on each of our life. And so this is not a command here, but this is, hey, you've got kids. Don't forget they're a blessing from God. And we have the opportunity, you know, what we don't realize is God's filled our golf bag. He's filled our quiver with these kids. And some, some things on this, all right, just to help you, you know, depending on how many kids you have. But you've got to know each club. A five iron is different than a four iron. It's different than a six iron, though they look almost exactly the same. For those of you who don't know anything about golf, and last week, I started getting a lot of text messages when I picked out a club. People were like, he's going to hit the TV. He's going to throw it into the crowd. And uh, I promise you that you've never been more safe, all right, than, than you are right now. Um, but, uh, but, you know, they're, but they're different. They look the same, but they're different. And your kids, they may look like you. They may look like your wife. They may look like each other. People may think they're twins, even though they're a few years apart, but they're different. And what we've got to do as part of this, you know, you're spending time practicing each club, learning how far do I hit this one? How far do I hit the six? How far do I hit the four? How do I use this? And what parts of the game do I use this? You've got to know and identify each kid. What is different about each kid? And you have to spend time with each kid. One pastor, Larry Stockstill, I heard speak at a conference a number of years ago, and he said, spend 15 minutes with each kid each day. And I, I think he had six kids or seven kids. 15 minutes with each kid each day. But as you learn about your kids, what makes them different from you? Do you know that? What makes them different from each other? Do you know that? What are the gifts that God's hidden within them? You're trying to find that and cultivate that and pull that out, helping them to live that. Now, I could, one thing about golfing, right? Tiger Woods, his his dad started him playing golf. He was probably two years old, 24 months old, starting to play golf, and certainly there's a great fruit of that. Part of the thing that we've got to recognize is we have a great opportunity to start them young as well, teaching them how to pray, teaching them how to worship, teaching them how to read the Bible, teaching them to experience God. And, you know... Kind of one last, one, one last thing here is a practical thing. We have a worship night coming up on June 4th, Sunday evening. Still be school the next day, not one of the summer worship nights. There's always a hesitancy. Well, if I bring my kids, they'll get home late. They're going to be cranky the next day. Let me tell you this. The cranky days are worth it. The cranky days are worth it to get them in the presence of God, to get them seeing the gifts of the Holy Spirit moving, to get them to understand and recognize, oh, what I felt was the presence of God, to get them in those places on as consistent 
a, a consistent basis as possible. That they would know who God is and what God does. And the last thing here, you know, what you've got to do, uh, a fundamental of, of, of a Christian godly family is, is releasing them. Releasing them into their calling, into their future, into what God called them to be, and not feeling pressure to put on them what we think they should be, or what culture says they should be. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse number 5 says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart, and then the key thing here, and appointed you as my prophet. Before he was formed in the womb, God had an assignment for Jeremiah. Before your child was born, God had an assignment for them. And we get the great, great privilege of finding that out, helping them to discover it, and helping to create a path for them to follow it. Listen, I want to take some time and answer some questions. Um, I believe I got at least one, but it was hard to, uh, yeah, oh, it's, boy, I've gotten 17. So, all right, question here. What did you get your, your wife for Mother's Day? I mean, she's not my mother, so nothing. No, I'm just... <laughs> and that's one of the problems in your marriage. Stop treating your wife like your mother. Clean up after yourself. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to tell you because we haven't given it to her yet, but you can ask her later. Um, can you shave that mustache? And so it is certainly possible. It is certainly possible. I, I would say in, in, the last, um, in the last 14 days, I've gotten at least 50 compliments uh, on, on this mustache. So I just want to... You know, just want to thank all of you who are blessing me that way. Next question. All right. Advice on ministering to your family when you're the only one walking with the Lord? This is a good question. Let me just keep track. 1136. We're going to spend about nine minutes here, not answering this question, but answering a few questions. All right. How do you minister to your family when you're the only one walking with the Lord? One, I wouldn't, I wouldn't shy away about your testimony. Don't shy away from your testimony. And when you come to service and God changes your life, I would go home and share that. Oh, what you, you know, because they may be polite enough to say, how is church? And I would share. I would continue planting seeds, as many seeds as you can. And... I would continue to pray and never give up praying for them that they would know the Lord the way you do, that they would yield to him and follow him and give their life to him. Never, ever, ever stop praying that. Never stop inviting for that. And maybe some of you are at church today just because it's Mother's Day and your mom strategically <laughs> was planning like they want you to come to church. They want you to follow Jesus. They want you to experience his salvation and how it really is. And so they've just been praying for that and they keep inviting you to every holiday they can. And then to think generation, I know we have grandparents here today and grandparents at every location who bring their grandkids to church. 
continued. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. The, the great blessing you have, if you're new following Christ, they can begin to see a change in you. Not always that they'll like. But um, because, uh, you know, husbands and wives, all of a sudden, one of the spouses gets saved. They're not drinking, partying, or swinging anymore. That can cause a real shift in the dynamic of the relationship. You think I'm joking. <laughs> I'm not joking. That can cause a real difficulty in the marriage. But when all of a sudden you're entering that home with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit empowering you with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, and that's now the fruit of your life every day in that household, man, that's speaking to them. They may eventually get used to it, but I just um, always know that there's going to be one day that they're going to need help. They're going to cry out, and I'm going to be the person to answer that phone call and say, I've been waiting for you to call. I've been waiting for this moment with you, and I'd be ready. It's no I told you so's, no making them feel guilty, no, nothing like that. I, you know, a marriage dynamic just popped in my head is sometimes one spouse will be working so hard to save the marriage. Finally, the other spouse decides to, like something switches in their heart. They're going to engage now in helping the marriage. And then the other one taps out like, well, now it's my turn to be horrible. And then like, what is this about? So uh, we want to, we're not trying to get people to adopt a religion. We're trying to get them to meet our savior. Let me move on to the next question here. Um, this one's not about family. I'll script that one. Can you buy more chairs? That's not about family either. We can, uh, chairs are between uh, $55 and $85 each, church chairs. So just you do the math. If we need 300 chairs for this, if we need 900, locate, 900 chairs across our locations, you can do the math. So we haven't wanted to spend money on that yet, but eventually one day we will. All right, what's the best way besides sharing what God has done in my life to pray for adult kids to attend church with me? I want them to know the Lord. It's a good question here. Uh, I, if they're local, I'd keep inviting. I'd keep inviting. Uh, I think every once in a while, which I don't know when that is, depending on your relationship, but you end up with a, uh, a window of opportunity to have a serious conversation you haven't had before. And so maybe with an adult kid, it's, it could be three years from now, and you're just waiting. But when you get that op opportunity, you don't chicken out on it. And I shared this a long time ago, but I remember being in Bible college, and I was driving to my aunt and uncle's house. And uh, they weren't believers, but, they were, they, but their house was near, um, near my college. And so I was driving there to have dinner and do laundry, and God told me in the drive, uh, they're going to ask you to say grace over dinner, which is not language I use, but... They're going to ask you to say grace over dinner. And God gave me that warning ahead of time. And when I got to their house and they said, hey, Nate, will you say grace over dinner? Which they never done before. It was the two of them and me. And I went, really? <laughs> okay. And then I prayed, but I missed an opportunity. I missed an opportunity because something in them was saying, this is important to Nate. Let's honor it. And I could have said, absolutely, pray a real prayer over that meal and over their home. 
and then use that as an opportunity to springboard into a conversation. When you get that window of opportunity, I need help to say, can I pray for you right now? Grab their hand and pray for them. Don't miss out on those opportunities to say, I'll, yeah, I'll be praying for you. No, can I pray for you right now? That's a good short-term strategy. How do I know if I'm a true follower of God? Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God. That's, that's salvation. You're his. He's adopted you. The next thing you do after that is you now begin to learn what it is to follow him and to serve him. Take those moments to begin to learn now. Study scripture. Begin to learn how to live and follow Jesus every day of your life. Uh, this question came probably from one of my children. Who's your favorite son? <laughs> so... People are just using this as, like, what's your blood pressure? <laughs> All right, how do you, uh, got, uh, we'll, we'll close with this question. Um, any other questions, we'll look through them. We'll, we'll try, we'll spend some time answering them on the podcast. How do you, uh, do you have guidance on how to help your kids navigate their faith in school? For example, when they share their love for Jesus at school, um, but when friends I think that one got cut off. Uh, all right, guidance. So our four boys are in public school currently. They haven't always been in public school. They may not always be in public school. Every kid's a little bit different. Um, my kids are not highly influenced, not even by me, uh, which, is a, which amongst peers, that's a great thing, all right? They're, they're not highly influenced by peers. That's a positive thing. If they were... I want to be the main influence in their and their main influencer of their life from now until I depart. Uh, but even before me, Jesus is my main influencer. I'm teaching them that. I'm teaching them Jesus is your main influencer. I'm second. And we're trying to keep that relationship even as I've got two teenagers now. So we want to talk about things. We want to figure things out. And if... Um, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to send my kids to any public school. I think you got to be careful, careful of that. You need to know who the teachers are, who the school board is, what they're teaching, what they're trying to sneak in there without you knowing. Not every public school is the same. Not every public school is a safe place for a kid. But I'll say this, this too. Not every Christian school is. Um, we... We need to be just thinking about that and evaluating that and trying to cultivate that. We, um, one, of my, one of my sons, he mentioned, um, you know, I think we had a conversation last week about, about um, private school. And, and in the conversation I said to him, I said, I don't, or it was about homeschooling because homeschool. Seems like to them, like 
because they've got some friends like, oh man, my friend, he doesn't wake up early. He doesn't have any homework. He, I want to be homeschooled. And, um, but we had that conversation. And with him, I'm like, man, I don't think it would be good for you. Think about all the, inf- all the friends you have that you're inviting to church every single week. If you're homeschool, or even if you went to a school where everybody already went to church, I think part of you would be so miserable because it's part of your gifting and it's part of who you are. So you've got to not just come to church once a week, but you've got to disciple them back to one of those other questions. They've got to know why we believe what we do about Jesus. They've got to know and be in those experiences where not just hearing about him, but where they're experiencing them, him themselves and, and create and craft that plan. Is it missions trips with them? Is it Bible studies with them? Is it worship night? Like, what is it? And for me, I want to put them in everything I can, every godly thing I can to let them know and experience who God is and what he's done. But listen, let me close in prayer. And uh, we went uh, two minutes over our, uh, our normal time here. And you can continue texting questions and we'll take time answering them on the podcast this week. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for this series where we had the opportunity to talk about family. And we're all different types of families here. We have uh, singles, single parents. We have um, couples of, of two parents. We have step families and all different dynamics of family here. God, you're not worried about, you, you, your concern is not what our family looks like, but your concern is the hearts of our family. You want our heart. God, no matter what our past is, no matter what we've done, God, from this day forward, may we honor you. May we love you. May we, may we become more than just church attenders. May, we, may, may our relationship with you be more than just checking a box off Christian on some questionnaire. But may, in you, may we live and move and have our being. In you, Jesus, may our families, our spouses, our kids live and move and have their being. God, for, for those of us who know you and love you, thank you for that. For every one of our family members who hasn't yet crossed the line of faith or, or walked away from you a long time ago and it seems like they're never gonna come back, give us hope again, God. You change lives. You are real and you love us and you love all those who are wayward, all those who are far from you. And it's your will, God, to bring them back to yourself. So we pray, God, for every kid, every husband, every wife, every grandkid who's far from you right now, you'd rescue them, you'd save them, and you'd do this soon. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Listen, church, I love you. Have a great day.